I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. First time in 2020, the Miami Dolphins were finally victorious last night, defeating the Jacksonville Jaguars 31-13 on primetime Thursday night football. We have plenty to talk about regarding last night's game, but first, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that this is the one, the only Finsider Radio, a.k.a. the Jake and Josh Show. I'm your host, Josh Houts. You can follow me on Twitter, at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. My tag team partner in crime is Jake Mendel, although he doesn't know his Twitter, I do. Follow him at, <laughs> at J. M-E-N-D-E-L-94. Before I introduce Jake, before we go on our soapbox about how awesome the Dolphins looked, for the most part versus Jacksonville, please, if you're listening to this podcast, smash the subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. We are the People's Podcast, so please let us know what you like, dislike. Now, without further ado, let me welcome the one, the only, Jake Mendel. Jake, it's Victory Friday. How the F are you doing today? Oh my God, Josh. Oh my God. Because I'm, you know, we've been Dolphin fans for so long, our entire lives. And for as much as we wanted to be negative Nancys, I mean, there was that looming shadow of being winless again. And to have that out of the way in such a beautiful fashion, they were up 14 to nothing in the first quarter. Both of their drives, they scored touchdown. This was an absolutely incredible performance. And, you know, something we've both said we just wanted to see some sort of resemblance of progress, some sort of improvement, something that can tell us that, hey, Brian Flores is different than the Adam Gases of the world. He's different than the Tony Spranos of the world. You know, the the first year, rest in peace, Tony Sperano, the first year guy who's going to come in and then things kind of sputter out of control after that. And we got that first sign last night. I mean, the Dolphins have been brutal on Thursday Night Football. I think this was their first win in like 12 years on the road in Thursday Night Football. Yes, it's still in Florida. But the one statistic that is absolutely mind-boggling to me is, and I think everyone tweeted this out, I thought it was going to kind of fly under the radar, was that was the first win by 10-plus in 38 games. And that that last win was a 
Adam Gase salty revenge game against the Broncos. So, and that was back in 2017. So it was just an incredible performance. It was an exciting sight to see. And, and Josh, I'm just going to jump right into it. We kind of both agree that the best way to do these post-game shows are just off the cuff, kind of say what we're thinking, and just kind of wing it from there. Josh, from the first play of scrimmage, I was horrified because it was, well, it wasn't even a play from scrimmage, but Jakeem Grant taking it out of the end zone. And I just said, oh boy, here we go. It's going to be one of those nights. And he's tackled at the 15-yard line. And, you know, I'm starting to sit there. I'm going to have my rant already about how Jakeem Grant, you know, he wants to be more than a receiver, but he's trying to do too much, biting off too much, uh, that, that more than he can chew. Obviously, you just take the ball out to the 25, caught. But, I mean, then Grant had a wonderful, wonderful catch on a Fitzpatrick throw that was a little wide, had the awareness to get up and run run for an extra seven yards that I think is being overlooked by just about everyone. And then, you know, that 29-yard reverse, I mean, that's the Jakeem Grant, that's the Albert Wilson play style that we expect of these guys. And if you want to be, quote-unquote, you know, more than a returner, this is the opportunities where he's going to be successful. So, I mean, just from going from that first play to having two touches on their first two drives, that was absolutely mind-boggling to see. That entire first drive as a whole was mind-boggling mm-hmm. to see. I mean, we continue to say, you know, the offense played pretty good against Buffalo. The Dolphins could have won that game if the defense had played anything like they did last night. And we'll get on, into the defense. But that first drive was just, you know, you saw a little bit of everything out of Chan Gailey. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick went 4-4 four four for 49 yards and a touchdown. Miles Gaskins touched the football eight times for 54 yards on that first drive. We know he kind of sputtered off af- after that, you know, for the rest of the game at least from a fantasy perspective, but a 12-play, 84-yard touchdown drive on primetime football. You know, a short week, we kept hearing, you know, we had all the excuses lined up as to why the Dolphins might go out there and lose this game. We kept saying it was a must-win game. They went out there and performed, but that first offensive drive was impressive. The defense got off the field pretty quickly on their first drive, and I think from there, you know, the Dolphins kind of took over that game. So, uh, a great overall performance, at least in the first half. I know anybody that's on Twitter right now or former founder of the Finsider, Matty Infante, kind of uh, did a little heel turn this morning, and he's kind of trying to be a Debbie Downer and, you know, all the respect in the world for Infante, but let Dolphin fans enjoy this one because, I mean, this was an impressive performance despite them taking their foot off the pedal in the second half. And, you know, that's kind of where I want to start this conversation because I got some gripe about Miles Gaskin. Every, you know, there was uh, a couple of people tweeting at me like he's an emerging starting running back. And then there was one guy who has like NFL or something in his name who posted a video that he loves Miles Gaskin. And of course, that got a couple thousand likes. But I mean, o- over than that, we haven't really seen the hype. And legitimately, the second half of last night is absolutely why. And again, it's kind of strange we're starting this on like a, a wonky note. But I don't necessarily think they took their foot off the pedal in the second half. But what you want to be able to do is run the ball. What the Dolphins truly, truly miss and why I think, you know, Miles Gaskin is great for what he did. He was fantastic early in that game. Those first two drives, he was incredible. Uh, just being able to kind of catch everything that came his way. I believe he finished with five receptions on five or targets. Uh, his his long was 11. But then his, his rushing performance really started to drop. He did have that long of 15. But in that second half, man, he had he, it was hard for him to get two yards of carry. And when, you know, if we want to sit there and gripe about, you know, them, quote unquote, taking their foot off the gas in the second half, they still outscored the Jaguars 10 to 6 in that second half. And the issue is they didn't have Gaskin wasn't able to get that first down. You need to really move the ball and get outside of your own 30 yard line. And that's really what the Dolphins are missing at running back again. Gaskin is great for what he can provide, and that is a consistent threat who can do a bunch of different things, but he's not going to give you that big play run. I mean, I would have loved for him to kind of punch it in from the seven-yard line instead of having to go two yards, two yards, okay, Jordan Howard, you get it, or two yards, two yards, Ryan Fitzpatrick, get it. 
they don't have someone, and we thought Matt Breida would be the someone who can kind of just burst up the middle when a team knows you're going to run the ball and just kind of says, oh, well, we're still going to do it anyway. That's kind of what the Dolphins are missing on the offensive side of the ball. I just don't think you're going to pass as much when you're up 20 points. That's just how it is. You kind of need that run game to do something. One first down, two first downs, just so the passing game can then be like gut punch, gut punch, where it's you get an opportunity for an interception. You have defensive backs moving up the field. And that's all I'm going to kind of say about Miles Gaskin because this was a great win. He was pretty solid overall, despite that three yards per carry average. And Josh... Devontae Parker made everyone look like absolute children out there. Caught all five of his targets, 69 yards, uh, averaging 13 per. And it was also pretty exciting to see that they legitimately trusted Preston Williams uh, in the red zone again. And, you know, I kind of think about the Miami Heat. You know, they have a 20-year-old going off in the Eastern Conference Finals. And, you know, the Dolphins, and rightfully so, I would have been fine if after he caught, like, what, three of his first 10 targets or something like that, the drop in the end zone, uh, the slip resulting in an interception, I'd be perfectly fine if it's like let's try something else let's just put Jaseki out there let's try to get forward more engaged but they went right back to him in the end zone and man he did deliver despite only having two targets on the day he caught them both yeah what a big way to bounce back I mean it was similar play I mean obviously one was a slant this one was more of a a skinny post in the back of the end zone but I mean what a great catch by Preston Williams to use his hands I mean that was kind of every what we were all talking about, all of our armchair quarterbacks were discussing why was he trying to catch with his body? Why didn't he run that route deeper? Went out there, made a good good play, like you said, caught both of his targets on the day, and responded. I mean, and that's all you can really ask from mm-hmm. Devontae Parker. I mean, we kept hearing Joe Buck and Troy Aikman discuss the hamstring injury. I mean, but like you said, he's he healthy, dom- man. He yeah, is he, absolutely healthy. Like, so yeah, they, they just kept continuing to say how there should be more separation on those routes, and there probably would have been, and I think that speaks volumes on Devontae Parker. I mean, if this is him hindered, five receptions, 69 yards, I mean, <laughs> the, the sky's the limit for this guy. So um, I, I liked what we saw from the receivers. I just like the offense as a, as a whole in that first half. I mean, 14 nothing jumping out to that early lead in the first quarter. We mentioned to Preston Williams. Jordan Howard had that touchdown run. We saw Solomon Kinley absolutely flatten a dude. Chandler Jeez. Cox is active busting through holes so you know it was a good offensive performance and you can't really discuss talk about how successful the rushing game was or the passing game without discussing this offensive line and we mentioned the matchup they would have going against you know Josh Allen and Miles Jack and those talented front seven of Jacksonville the Miami Dolphins these young the the Kinley and Austin Jackson and you know Eric Flowers and even Kirk Karast and and Jesse Davis to an extent you know Mm -hmm. they played very good football and, and this was a complete you know, this team has done a complete 180 from what we saw last year as far as that offensive line. And it all starts with those young guys. Solomon Kinley is an absolute mauler. Austin Jackson, like people are saying on Twitter, you know, we didn't really get to see Laramie Tunsil much as a rookie. I, I left out as much as we would have liked. I mean, this dude, uh, he looks legit. And uh, I'm excited because a lot of people thought expectations had to be kind of tempered a little bit with Austin Jackson. He jumped right into that starting role. And, you know, he never looked back. Great. So as yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic. So as a whole, that offense, I mean, really not more you could ask for, in my opinion. I I'd like what I hear what you're saying with Miles Gaskin. He's clearly the running back one, as we said. I mean, 22 carries, 66 yards, three yards per ca- uh, per carry, and then those uh, five receptions in the passing game for 29 yards. So the guy shows that he can do a little bit of everything, and he's obviously gained the confidence in the coaching staff. But as we've heard from Breed, as we heard from Howard, as we heard from this entire running back room, I mean, even Miles Gaskin after the game, he was very critical of his play and said how he missed a hole. And, you know, he just continues to say this is a running back by committee. So maybe we shouldn't put too much, uh, you know, stock into that. But if you're in fantasy football and you need a Dolphins running back, you just want one to roster. Miles Gaskins is absolutely that guy. But as a whole, that offense uh, looked pretty good, especially in the first half. 
Again, I, I think you go out there, obviously, in the second half, you, you're up, what, 21-7. You're going to run the football. That's just, you know, that's just yeah. how you play football. And and as Kyle, Kyle Krabs, a locked-on Dolphins, made a good point, you know, the passing game does seem to be a little bit ahead of the running game. So why not go out there and get those extra reps for those big guys mm-hmm. up front? Again, great play all around. Uh, you know, we can sit here and nitpick, but it's a victory. And this was a game that we went into. You know, you mentioned it. It was beaten to death, the beard versus the mustache. The mustache can sit down. You know, Gardner Minshew can shave that thing. And please, someone, if you're a South Florida Dolphins fan and you're listening to this, please send Jake and I one of those 20-ounce limited edition Ryan Fitzpatrick bottles that Pepsi's putting out because that was just awesome. Like you said, beaten to death, but good all-around performance by everyone. And, you know, tip of your hat to Ryan Fitzpatrick because I said to my wife, you know, this dude was playing like he put the damn team on his back. And I, I, I never tweeted out. I had that Gary Jennings uh, touchdown run for Madden. And I was going to say the, the second most, you know, brave performance in the history of football <laughs> was Ryan Fitzpatrick putting the team on his back with a broken, you, you know, a video I'm talking about. I mean, he, oh, yeah. he just told his team, you know, we got to win Jennings. this game. We got to get Greg Jennings. Yeah, I'm stuck on uh, Gary Jennings, the Dolphins slot receiver that they cut. But Ryan Fitzpatrick said, I'm going to put this team on the back. Hodor style. He went out there. The entire team answered. And we got a W. And, you know, with it, too, the offensive line, uh, there were penalties this game. Uh, but, I mean, when you have six for 51, you really can't complain too, too much. I thought the penalties on both sides. I, on Twitter, I saw a lot of Pete Dolphin fans kind of, uh, you know, the zebras are killing us yet. But, I mean, legitimately, I thought I saw plays going both ways. Like, you could pick and choose, yes, this one, you know, hurt the Dolphins. Or maybe the Dolphins had three that hurt them compared to the Jaguars over having two. Um, I thought the officiating was okay. I'd rather take away three of those penalties from each team and just kind of call it for what it is. But, uh, you know, what I'm saying here is that offensive line, we're used to having guys like Mike Pouncey, like guys like Laramie Tunsil, who are are talented as all hell, but either aren't seeing the field or have those pre-snap penalties that just frustrate the living hell out of you. And what the Dolphins have finally put together, and it's mind-boggling to me, as we see, I think Brian Fitzpatrick was only hit five times, and we could probably make the case he was ready and wanted three of those hits uh, behind the line of scrimmage. But, I mean, Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley, these guys are really turning into pretty solid offensive linemen. And the speech we've been giving about the Dolphins for the last five to six years isn't that they need a good offensive line. We're not saying to be the Dallas Cowboys of three years ago. We're saying just not to be a bottom three unit that is a little literal disaster, a dumpster fire trying to guard a quarterback. They're looking serviceable. I'm not going to get too far ahead and say they're crazy good. But, man, this offensive line can do enough to stop, well, slow down any team. Obviously, you know, you get into situations where you're going to get beat. You get into situations you're going to give up a sack. But the fact that they're not getting into every drive where it's like a second and 14 or a third and 25, I mean, I don't think I've seen one – there's okay there's probably been one of those long situations but I mean overall I remember the Ryan Tannehill era it seemed like all the time it's like all right we're going second and 13 there's a false start second and 18 Jesus Christ what are we going to do next and the Dolphins just seem to be playing legitimately clean football everyone's catching the ball that's why Ryan Fitzpatrick was so accurate there 18 for 20 Jacecki I mean he had only one catch of the night which is Reading that sounds crazy, but it was absolutely beautiful. This team is loaded with players, and that's why that 0-2 start was frustrating because despite scoring 28 points against the Bills, you feel like that was a game you could have won. Despite only giving up 21 points to the New England Patriots, you felt like that was a game you could have won. And this is why, and like it's about turning that potential, seeing those bright spots, and actually having them do something out on the field is incredibly exciting to see. I, you know, just sitting there with my dad watching this last night when it was, I think, 21 nothing before the Jags even scored. And you're just sitting like, when's the last time we had a game where we can kind of just 
enjoy it. Like we're not sitting there at the edge of our seat. And at halftime, he kind of my, my dad had the the quote of the night where it was, "This game's either going to go incredibly well, the Dolphins are leading twenty-one to seven, or it's going to absolutely stink. Where they're going to come back and get blown out." But it's great to see a team play clean football for four quarters and really just kind of. I mean, we're complaining that they didn't, you know, put the gas on. But like I said, they still outscored the Jaguars in the second half. They still won by almost 20 points. I mean, it is what it is. Let's take that. That is great. You cannot ask for anything more than what the Miami Dolphins did, at least offensively. There are some things, some concerns that we'll talk about uh, in a few minutes on the defensive side of the ball. But that offense, man, there's a lot of things to like. There's a lot of exciting things to see. And it's just very, very, very exciting. It is, and it's exciting because, you know, a lot of us had, you know, felt a little uneasy about the Chan Gailey hiring, and through two weeks, I mean, yeah, they put up 28 points against the Bills, but it still seemed like an offense that was a little bit predictable. I mean, what we saw last night looked completely different, at least for most of the, the game, and, I mean, that's all you can really ask for. Joe Schott of the Palm Beach Post uh, tweeted out some PFF grades. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick had a 91.5. He was the highest-rated player. Um We'll jump into defense uh, after the break, but and you know what? Let's just take a break right now. Here's a break from our sponsors, and then we'll jump into the defense and and talk about what we like, disliked, and you know what they can improve on heading into Seattle. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament tonight. We'll break down. We break down who will be cutting cut. What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And now that you got a chance to hear from our sponsors, let's take a look at some of these PFF grades. The most notable one from the defense, and this was a huge thing for me. We saw Xavier Howard. We know the Noah Igbenogany story last week. We don't know why he wasn't covering uh, Stefan Diggs, we know before the game, DJ Chark got hurt. Xavier Howard and Noah Igbenogany were targeted six times for one catch, two yards, and one interception, according to PFF. I mean, you you really cannot get much better than that. One impressive performance by both these guys. Um, and you got to talk about Noah Igbenogany. I know, I mean, he bounced back, and we saw last week, we thought maybe the game was a little too big for him, getting thrown into that lineup against Stefan Diggs, a top 10 wide receiver. He didn't have to go up against the same type of competition this week necessarily, but no, Igbenogany played, played his ass off, and the same can be said about Xavier Howard. We saw that game's solidifying interception. What a great bounce back performance by the secondary, but again, it, it wasn't perfect, and there's still things to be fixed, and you, you have to wonder how much of those things will be fixed when they bring in Byron Jones, who I still believe could be. You know, I still think he's a top-five corner in the NFL, and I still believe he could be the best corner on this roster. So once you get a player like that, I mean, the secondary, it's going to look much different. But we have to talk about the pass rush, and it was something that we harped on, you know, all throughout the week and just discuss the different ways the Dolphins had to find, generate pressure. And they did that last night, and I'm looking at the stats right now. Dolphins had four sacks against Gardner Minshew. We know Camus Grazier-Hill had that big one. Um 
believe it was on a fourth down. We saw the plays Kyle Van Noy made all over the field. We saw Zach Sealer flash. We saw ABG flash there towards the end. I mean, you're seeing everyone just step up, and you're seeing a lot of these guys make plays who, in, la- in the first two weeks of the season, they were dropping interceptions. You know, they were out of position. They, they were... They were running to, they were over pursuing, you know, the ball carrier and allowing these big plays. We didn't see that as much last night. Again, it wasn't perfect. The Dolphins still gave up, you know, 13 points, but what a performance by this defense. They stepped up when they had to. And, you know, I have to tip my hat to Kyle Van Noy because he was just a monster in that game. We saw him absolutely destroy a uh, running back trying to block him. And then he had that forced fumble that he recovered. I mean, it was just an all around good performance for the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, you're excited to see that stuff. It was exactly what we needed to see. Jacksonville was by no means an offensive juggernaut, but the Dolphins went out there. Brian Flores had the right game plan in place, and the Dolphins did enough to get a pretty big convincing victory in a must-win game. Yeah, I think uh, to kind of bounce it back to the uh, defensive backfield, there are going to be games where things just kind of roll your way, and I think both for Igbenogny and Howard, there were situations where there's one play where uh, somebody actually made a catch on for a first down, and, and it, uh Howard rolled up and he was celebrating like it was a uh, incomplete pass, but but there were times where both of these guys kind of got get out of jail free cards. I think these wide receivers had a couple of drops, and I'm not gonna fault them. I think they were beat a couple times. There was that play where uh, Igbenogany kind of settled in the flat, and his uh, I think it was Chris Connolly. Uh, dr- ran right by him, was wide open in the end zone, but the pressure got there. Um, and these these things are gonna happen. I mean, Noah Igbenogany's a young player. Him getting torched. I mean, I thought the the uh, Joe Buck and Trey Aikman were incredibly harsh on literally everybody on this game for no reason. We talk about Parker, but they just would not stop saying uh, the game looked too big for him against uh, Stefan Diggs when talking about Igbenogany that, you know, he didn't play well in terms of that wide open play. And that's going to happen. It's part of being a rookie. It's part of learning from these mistakes. It's these things are all going to happen at least once. It's preventing it from happening again. And I thought he played well enough. I thought Howard played well done, well enough, but they're clearly still missing something because I don't think they're going to have five or six drops or every offense they face play is going to have five or six drops every single time uh, they go out there. So that is a bit of a concern. I think the defensive numbers are going to be a little bit skewed because of those drops. But I mean, I'm not going to take that away from these guys because you can only play what's in front of you. And they look pretty solid. Josh, I have to ask you, I mean, we saw Xavier Howard get that interception at the end. Uh, we saw uh, uh, Perry drop one there uh, after getting hit by Eric, Eric Rowe, I think. But, I mean, that is what it is. Did did we hear what happened with Howard? Because I know he came up, you know, grabbing that knee, of course, right after. But but then he was over on the sideline. There was no doctors in his face or anything. And he was kind of just celebrating with his teammates. So did we ever get any update about his uh, knee following that interception? I did not hear anything. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on because, you know, that's definitely concerning with Xavier Howard. And if for some reason, you know, he'd miss any time. I mean, that that would be a whole new, you know, monster that we'd have to try to figure out. And another thing, too, I had to write this down because it just seemed like pretty spot on for me. Um, Kyle Van Noy, to me, is Kiko Alonso. And, and let me explain. Um, looking back at all the Kiko Alonso highlights, I guess, or, or big hits, he, I don't think he ever realized he had hands. Like, he would literally just rocket himself at people and hit them with a the shoulder pad. And that's kind of what Van Noy was doing. I think there was two different plays where uh, a wide receiver, a tight end, made a play, caught a ball in the middle of the field, and he hit him with the shoulder to knock him over. And all he did was push him forward, and, and he just kind of kept rolling. We've seen him drop interceptions. Uh, 
we've seen him kind of just plow into the quarterback using his shoulder, obviously doing it a lot smarter than Kiko did, where Kiko was penalized quite a bit. But, I mean, Van Noy, <laughs> he played well, but, I mean, I don't, I don't think he knows he has hands. I, I think that's kind of how we have to look at him at the moment. Yeah, he has those T-Rex arms, and, I mean, he's like we've talked about all offseason and just, you know, from week to week, it's just want to see progress. And, I mean, that's what we've seen. We, we saw them come out week one. We know how dismal the performance that was on both sides of the football. Dolphins offense got together against Buffalo. Defense didn't really show up, and now they brought it all together against Jacksonville. Again, it wasn't a perfect victory by any means. You mentioned Kyle Van Noy, and he does look like he has alligator arms out there. You mentioned the drop, drop pass. I mean, Noe Benogany got roasted on that play, and if Gardner Minshew, you know, throws a better ball, you know, he probably does that, what, nine out of ten times. That's a touchdown. So, you know, it, that's just football. A bounce can go here and there either way, but the Dolphins – did enough, and you know, again, it was impressive to see the way they were able to get pressure. It was a way. It was impressive to see the way that secondary stepped up, despite a guy like DJ Chark being out of the lineup. Which let's not even pretend that was very costly for Jacksonville. But as an overall performance on both sides of the football, I think the Dolphins did everything they could have done, did everything we could have asked of them. And like you said, you're watching it with your dad. It just seemed like at some point, and you know, we were we were up pretty good there for a little bit. I think it was 21-7, and there was still just a part of me that. You know, you see the Falcons do it, and you see them do it time and time again. We're Dolphin fans. I mean, we've seen them do it. Maybe they don't do it as often as we feel they do, but it, to me, it feels like, you know, even late in that game, we felt like if Minshew scores a touchdown there and they cut this lead, you know, to a two-possession game, the Dolphins are going to Dolphins, and it was just nice to see them hang on to that lead. Again, You're just uh, waiting not for uh, Philip Wheeler to be guarding your top uh, wide receiver on, on the one-yard line after Aaron Rodgers just rolled down the field on the Joe yeah, Philbin defense. That, that, <laughs> and that was after you, they called a time. And was that not after they called a yeah. timeout too? They, they, they See, saw like the play, they called a timeout, and they still put Philip Wheeler out there in one-on-one coverage. How can you look like that's the thing when I see the team as 0-2 like like I know you want to be positive and look for the bright spots but I mean this is the bright spot you need you need them to not be doing things like this this is the type of stuff we've dealt with for years so as the team was 0-2 you should be concerned but it's so great that we can kind of stick all this under the rug forget a lot of it ever happened because of the success of this team. And Josh, I mean, you mentioned the pass rush. I think having Christian Wilkins double-teamed every play is a concern because they seem to move him wherever they wanted that uh, Jaguars offensive line. But I must say, Raekwon Davis, man, he is the biggest dude on the field, and it's not even close. And he really started to come alive in that second half, and I think that's going to have to be the guy next to Christian Wilkins who can really just wreak havoc while the Dolphins try to figure out a pass rush because obviously— you're going to have players who can do different things. Christian Wilkins is a lot more athletic. We saw his ability to kind of bat down passes. And for that trade-off, you have someone that can kind of be moved against the runner, even in the pass rush. So the Dolphins obviously still need to get better, maybe bring in some pass rushers moving forward, maybe a couple linebackers that are better against the blitz, just to kind of cover up the weaknesses of Christian Wilkins. I'm not saying he's bad by any stretch of the means, but for all the athletic and versatility he provides, I mean, there is that double side of the coin where he can be moved a little bit, and it, it kind of showed last night, especially with um, James Robinson. I think he had a, a stellar performance. I mean, I think some of it, too, was what the Dolphins gave to them. Just dump it off underneath. We'll come up, make a tackle. But but uh, the Dolphins do have issues in that running game, and I think it starts with trying to find a way where you can hide Christian Wilkins and have other guys kind of pick up the slack against the run. I know it's being talked about a lot on Twitter and just, you know, it was being talked about a lot leading up to this game and, you know, even leading up to this season. But a lot of people are high on Andrew Van Ginkle. We'd like to see more out of him. We saw him make an impact, you know, the moment he got into the game there. So you want to see more snaps from AVG. We'd love to see more snaps from Zach Sealer up there, you know, alongside of Christian Wilkins. 
Dolphins have a lot of versatility here. I mean, that's kind of their whole MO. And, you know, they got 10 days. It's kind of like a a, a poor it's man's nice. bye week, you know. It's it's a nice – it's going to be nice to watch football this weekend. I mean, I have honestly – I sit there and I watch the Dolphins. I don't watch other games. I don't check my fantasy lineup until maybe halftime, until after the game. It's going to be so nice to know that the Dolphins are 1-2, and two, that they went out there, they had this dominant performance, and now we get to sit there and just enjoy football – Again, I, I don't know what more you could ask for as a Dolphins fan right now. I mean, this was what we wanted to see. They came out, they responded. Again, not perfect by any sense of the imagination, but a one and two start. You know, Buff- Buffalo is supposed to be a playoff contender. You know, they, they made it the playoffs last year. They're supposed to run away at the AFC East. New England was supposed to be, you know, in, in balance. In Cam Newton, right, best defense in mind. And Cam Newton went out there and picked up right where he did his MVP season. So. The Dolphins, they could have a lot worse start right now than one and two. I think you're seeing the steady growth between the players that you want to see. You're seeing the offensive line come together, which, I mean, prior to the season, that was honestly my biggest concern, and it should have been everyone's biggest concern. Is You know, you draft Tua Tungvaloa. Tua means nothing if you don't have an offensive line in place, and we're starting to see the pieces come together. You'd like to see big Bob Hunt, you know, solidify himself as that right tackle, and I think we might see that in due time. But Solomon McKinley's playing out of his mind. Austin Jackson's playing out of his mind. The offensive line in, in general is playing out of their mind. And, you know, another player that we didn't even talk about because he only had, I think, uh, what, three catch? It might have only been one one catch. Let me look up Mike Jasicki. Mike Jasicki. Okay, he was tar- yeah, he was targeted three times. That's what it was. He was targeted three times, made one catch, 15 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, but you compare that to the week prior where he had eight for 11 and 130 yards and a touchdown and breaking Dolphins' single-game record. So Mike Jasicki's a problem, man. I mean, he might be – we got Devontae Parker, a healthy Devontae Parker is a true number one wide receiver. You got a healthy Mike Jasicki doing what he's been doing. I mean, that could be a top five tight end, and this offense turns into a whole new monster. Need to get Byron Jones healthy. I think that's the biggest thing, and we'll we'll probably we'll let some time go between now and when we talk about Seattle because we all just need to enjoy this victory. But the Dolphins need to get Byron Jones back because that Seattle team, I mean, that's a Super Bowl contender, and it's not going to get easier from there. I'm going to make you look, look like a liar because I know we're, we're finishing up soon. I mean, we're going into the weekend with good vibes. You you hit the nail on the head. I'm going to wake up Sunday morning. I have some friends coming over. We're going to spend all day. Make, they're going to spend all day. I'm just going to kind of be watching football. They're going to make food all day. We're just going to enjoy it because the Dolphins, they, they won the game. There's nothing to hate. But let me tell you this about Seattle. If Byron Jones comes back, Seattle is going all the way across the country. They're coming to Miami. That trip History proves teams struggle when they have to make that trip all the way across from from Seattle to Miami. Also, also, if anybody knows a guy, let's get those sprinklers working in Miami. If we can get that right in the middle of a Russell Wilson drive somewhere in the third quarter, we saw it work for Ryan Tannehill. I think that was back in 2012. I think that was really what got us excited about him as the Dolphins quarterback because they beat Seattle and those sprinklers came on. So if if you have a sprinkler guy... Get him on the phone. I think that's going to be important for next week. Josh, we're going to do this on the air just to kind of give the uh, uh, listeners an idea. Do we want to do a show early next week, just kind of recap the week and look what, what's happening, kind of maybe dissect the first quarter of the season? I mean, it's a little less than that, but we have three games in the book. It's three games in the books, excuse me, and we'll kind of see where the AFC East is looking. I mean, the Bills can be 2-1 and one, uh, The the if the – Patriots was again, they'll be one and two. And you know what? This is it. This is what I wanted. I wanted us to be able to talk about this thing, these things. I'm not saying the Dolphins are going to win the AFC East. I'm not saying it's going to even maybe be close, but at least for half to three quarters of the season, we can have this conversation of them being in the hunt because they'll be floating around 500. And that started with a very impressive win last night. 
there's one thing we know about the Miami Dolphins. It's that they're always in the hunt. But, <laughs> I, I mean, you can't see my face right now. But earlier when I said that uh, Peach has more uh, facial hair than you, you gave you hit me with that. <laughs> it was that little Kermit. Like, what you talking about, man? That's what I'm looking at you right now. When you're talking about traveling across country yep. in Seattle. Yep. Watch out. Sprinklers on. You're going you're gonna to need a lot more than, you know, them traveling far and sprinklers to stop Russell Wilson because they're just playing out of their mind. But, you know, stranger things have happened. I think the Dolphins have played Russell Wilson pretty tough. And I think you talked about it. Was it his rookie year when Ryan Tannehill? And uh, I think they beat the Seattle Seahawks. It, it, it was at one point. Something yeah, weird, Ryan like... Tannehill led the Dolphins to a victory over Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. So, I mean, I have no issue. I definitely think 100% we should do a podcast earlier in the week. We'll even throw out a mailbag and get some questions. Uh, we'll wait till the All-22 coaching film comes out, and we'll just break down what we saw a little bit in closer, a little bit in depth. It'll be a little bit more structured because, I mean, we're just soapboxing here. We didn't get to really go in and dive in and rewatch a game film, but what we saw was a 31-13 victory. Again, there's not more you can ask for, and you know we're slowly starting to see this Dolphins team Build some momentum, and that's that's what we need because it's a long season. Um, you know, it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. I almost got that backwards. But, um, you know, good things are happening, and it was nice to go out there and, and see the, the beard defeat the mustache. Uh, I know you love talking about that. So it was, it was nice to see <laughs> Fitzpatrick go out there and do Fitzpatrick things. One final thing before we wrap up. Um, Jordan Howard, he had three carries for one yard. He did delete everything off his Instagram and just kind of posted a bunch of uh, Tumblr quotes, for lack of better words, on his Instagram story. Just things like control what you can yeah, control. Shout out to Miami Alejandro. I think that's his app. Yeah, that's his app. Um, right, yeah, it's ahead. a it's a yeah. bunch of bu- just a bunch of positive quotes, and it's basically no, nothing really worth panicking over because it's the same things he's gonna say in the press conferences. It's the same things where they're saying, "I'm just gonna run when I have to run." Matt Breida's been feeling the same way, uh, but it'd be nice to see Jordan Howard get a little more involved. Hopefully, the Dolphins can kind of put together an offense where they can get those seven yard bursts uh, in the third quarter to kind of get them out of their own. Uh, side of the field and be able to use the open up the game back and, and make Maddie happy that we're throwing the ball. But I, I again, I, I'm pretty happy with the play crawling there. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. It is so great being able to do this, Josh. The Dolphins won. Oh my God, I can't believe it. But you know, we can't do it without you guys. We want to celebrate with you guys. We were getting tweets all throughout the game, and you know, nothing, nothing puts a bigger smile on my face than saying. And seeing a tweet, was that Cheeks? Was that Cheeks? Or why didn't they do that there? Especially on the fourth and ones when they uh, punted the ball. But I digress. If you're enjoying the show before we forget, smash that subscribe button, leave a five-star review, and leave a comment. Give us your thoughts on Twitter, at H-O-U-T-Z, at JMiddle94. Josh, we have 10 days to soak up this win before we send Seattle packing with a L of their own. I'm looking forward to it, buddy. I'm glad I had you here today. And most importantly, Ben's up. It's up, baby. Go Dolphins. One and two. Oh, Long oh. week ahead. Enjoy watching football. Sorry. What's Xavier that? Howard was a cramp. Barry Jackson uh, is saying that was just a cramp. Nothing to worry about. Very scary. But the good news keeps on coming. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you guys saw breaking news. Uh, Joe Buck said during the game that Miles Gaskin's going to the Pro Bowl. So <laughs> get your get your Miles Gaskin Pro Bowl jersey mm-hmm. while you can. <laughs> it's up, baby. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy watching football. You got any questions, reach out to us.
Most importantly, fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins.